Love that. In my life, I lift you high. In our world, we lift you high. In our love, we lift you high. We lift you high in everything we do. Love it. Love it. How many are glad to be in his house today? Come on, somebody. Emoji it up right now. We need you. God needs you. You are the church. You are the body. And you were meant to move. Before we are seated this morning on July 12th, we, had a, we were supposed to go back to church today. And I said, well, we're at church, but we were supposed to go back to church at the theater today. But we're having church wherever we need to have church. And now we're going back August 2nd. So just hold your, hold your seat. We're going to be there August 2nd. But before you're seated this morning, I want to read you my passage. Acts chapter 10, verse 9 through 16. Some of y'all know it. Some of y'all don't. That's okay. That's why we read the Bible together. This is the vision that God gave Peter, the knowledgeable one, the one that was hungry after God's heart, just like David, the one that was really wanted to do God's will, but God gave him a vision and shook up his soil on this day. It says in verse 9, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. How many know it's important to make time to pray to your Lord? It says, then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. It's like he was kind of awake, but he was kind of sleeping. He was in a trance. He was in a vision. He was, he was not fully conscious of what was going on. He was, in a, he was in a trance state of mind. And he saw heaven opened in an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. So like this big old sheet was like a, like a sheet off your bed was coming down on the four corners and it was just covering the earth. And it says in verse 12, and in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And some of you are going, I don't get it. I'm going to explain that. And it says, but Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again, Jesus, in the second time, and says, what God has cleansed you must not call common. How dare you call what I have cleansed common? And it says that this was done three times. Remember, Peter denied Christ three times before the crucifixion. Right when it had happened, they said he is with, he was with him, and he started cursing it three times the cock crew before, before Peter recognized what the, what the prophetic, what, what prophecy that Jesus spoke that Peter would deny him. Then he denied him again three times here on the rooftop, and the object was taken into heaven again. As you're seated, touch your neighbor and tell him, he did it again. He did it again, three times. He did it again. See, well, let me give you some context. Peter was a Jew. The Jews thought God was their God only. And they didn't know that God was meant for all mankind. And so, God was revealing to Peter, just like they only ate certain foods, certain meats, 
Certain meats they wouldn't go near because they were not considered clean. They were common. They were not kosher, you know, like the kosher dogs, you know. And so, and so God says, don't call common what I have cleansed. And Peter says, no, that's not clean. I will never let that touch my mouth. And God was speaking to him on a deeper level about people. He was talking about people, non-Jews, Gentiles, non-Jews. We're starting a new series today. Before I get into that, I just want to do something special. Every once in a while, we like to recognize someone who has gone above and beyond in the church. And we haven't done this in a while. Why? Because we've been at home in the basement. We call it the lower level because it sounds better. It's the lower level. It's not the basement. And, um, you know, there's windows and there's doors and stuff. And um, if you ever want to sell your home, you say it's a finished lower level. It's not a finished basement. It's a finished lower level. It's supposed to, like, make a difference. Anyway, we want to recognize somebody who has been grinding for months, someone who has been working their tail off for months. And they don't have it easy all the time because they've got someone always in their face, a little militant, sometimes too hard, telling them more better. Come on, pushing them. Chloe, Michelle, we want to recognize you. Come up here, my dear. Come on, somebody. Emoji up some claps right now. She's 10. This is my daughter, Chloe. Come here, babe. Don't be, don't be shy. This is Chloe. She's 10 years old. She's our firstborn. When she was born, it was the greatest moment of my life. I met my wife, got married. That was the greatest moment. We had children and together, Chloe was our first baby and that was the greatest moment of our life. And Chloe has been working her tail off. I'm sure Nolani can amen that to get harmonies learned. She's trying to learn harmonies and she's 10. And I threw her in the deep waters when she was eight at the old building. And, and you know, like when I was eight, I was like playing Legos or something. I wasn't, I wasn't singing in church and I wasn't listening to my dad trying to polish, uh, melody and understand timing and how to work with a band and how to how to time measures and and, and, and and time signatures and all these things and she has been really trying extra in this corona season it was it was a good time for us to spend more one-on-one time and for Nolani to spend more time with her one-on-one that we could really help her take the next step and she has just been I know y'all have noticed that she's been elevating her singing game from all the dedication and and we just so appreciate you, Chloe, and not only because you're my, my baby, but because you're an asset to our church, and, and someday you're going to be like the most amazing worship leader at One Seat Church, and at 10 years old, I can't imagine what you're going to be like at 15, and so we just want to thank you and tell you how much we love you, and we couldn't do it without you, and we want to give you this gift card so you can buy some cool yarn stuff on Amazon. Yeah, you can go now. Another thing Chloe does is she's been bringing the audience for four and a half months to One Seat Church. Let's give it up for Tiggy, Koala, Little Chipmunk, some new cat, even though I'm allergic to that thing, and some tiger that are always here in attendance. Some of, the, some of y'all are thinking, man, they got better attendance than me. Yeah, and they're stuffed with cotton. They're stuffed animals, okay? If, if a stuffed animal's church attendance is better than yours, you may, you may try to step up your game a bit. I'm just saying, like, it may be a good thing. Maybe God's trying to show you something through the stuffed animal. But anyway, we thank Chloe for her dedication, and we're so excited because she has a bright 
future in life and at One Seat Church. But this series, today we're kicking off a four-week series. And I don't know if y'all remember just a few weeks ago, we finished a series called Walk This Way. And Walk This Way was about our personal, individualistic journey, how we walk the path that God has us to walk. And that's like how we engage people. And it was kind of on an individual level that we do collectively as a church, but how it applies to each of us specifically and what we do. Well, this is a four-week series, and the series is called Meant to Move, because now we're talking about how we do church and move the message of the gospel as a body collectively, how we do this collectively, how the church is meant to move. And it's going to be four weeks, and I pray it blesses you, and I pray that you leave encouraged, fed, and starving for more at the same time because God's word is ever filling, never dries up. His well never dries up. And as long as you drink from his well and eat from his garden, you will never thirst or be hungry again. But you should always stay hungry to learn more in God's house. When you get to a point where you feel like you've got it figured out, that's a dangerous spot to be. None of us have it figured out except the one, Alpha and Omega. How many know what electric fences are? I'm sure some of you got a dog. Nolani, you got a dog. Do you have an electric fence? Okay. She's too kind to her animals. See, I was more brutal, and I shocked them things when they disobeyed me with an electric fence. See, we had two huskies, and, and I'm allergic, and I thought it would be a great idea before we had children that I buy Michelle, and it was for me too, a blue-eyed, snow-white, baby husky. But I wasn't thinking, you know, that they shed and I am allergic and they get big and they're actually hyper dogs. And so I thought it'd be a good idea to let them go ruin our backyard because they like to dig. And, and so I put up this electric fence that I think my mom had left over from her dog that I took from her garage. And so I ran the wire. And so the electric fence, you know, it's common sense, right? It's an electric fence. It keeps a boundary around the perimeter, so that the dog or the animal, or some of y'all put them on your spouses, an electric fence, you can't do that to people. It's called abuse, okay? So just so you know, don't tell anybody about that if you're electric fencing your spouse. But the fence keeps the animal within the perimeter. And guess what happens when, when our dog's name was Blue? And guess what happened when Blue's battery in his collar would die? Every time he would cross the fence. He knew something greater was on the outside of the boundary he had been used to living in. And it was really frustrating as his owner, as his alpha male human being owner, you know, you got to show them who's boss and then they respect you. So he didn't respect me, but he did know that when I was around, I'd smack him around. Unfortunately, kind of rough. Sorry, don't give me any, any, any at Instagrams or any emails about being uh, abusive to dogs. It was, in, it was in love and he was a strong dog, but we had our battles because the battery, the battery would break and he'd immediately cross. Remember Michelle? He'd go running out to the main road. He'd immediately cross. And then, oh, later I got another dog, Pepper. She was black and white and she was a husky with blue eyes and she was straight up crazy. So she would go bolting for the worst scenario possible. She sees traffic, I'm gonna run there. That's what she would say on multiple times. I thought she had nine lives and she wasn't even a cat, okay? 
point of the story is, because you're going, what's the point, pastor? The, the point is that the fence contained them. And the, the wisdom now I see back in those dogs is that they knew something greater was outside the boundary of the world they had been used to living in. Does this sound familiar? You're like, yeah, I shed too. No, I'm talking about boundaries. See, Peter... He had it going on. This is, this is the house upon I build. This is the rock. I build my house. You know, whatever. I'm messing up the scripture, but I build upon this foundation. And Peter kicked it off in the New Testament to lead the mission of the church. He was there on Acts 2. He was there all the way. But Peter had boundaries to his understanding. Peter, yeah, even Peter, the guy who had seen Jesus do it all, the guy that had seen Jesus come and go, resurrect, speak to him again on the house, on the rooftop. He had seen it all, still had boundaries and perimeters to his understanding, to his thinking. Remember the scripture said uh, he argued with God, basically, no, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten. He said no to God. Uh, God said, uh, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, no, not so. He, he told God no, and he did it three times. Okay, so... Everybody has boundaries and limitations, and only God can expand us past the boundaries. He was straight up discriminating. I mean, it was fitting to the times we're in. You know, discrimination is a big thing on the radar right now, and it's been going on since the beginning of time. Peter was straight up discriminating, saying, God's word is only for us. It's not for you. And he thought that was okay. They really thought that was the truth. But God is a boundary breaker. He is a boundary breaker. See, we as people have learned, as the church, have learned to be safe in how we live life. It's the practical thing to do. Within the confines of our comfort, we often remain. Within the confines of our backyard, the dogs would still remain. Blue and pepper would remain. We're used to it. It's familiar. I know I, know I can dig my hole over there, and I know my, my water bowl's over here. See, they knew their home. It was comfortable to them, and we, we like to be at home. You know, we're comfortable. When we're sick, we stay home. We know where the fridge is. We know where our bed's at. We know where the 16 heating pads are that we keep in the house. That's just my wife. We know where all the stuff is, because it's comfortable, it's, it's in the confines or the boundaries of what we're used to. This keeps us, though, from ever having to face uncertainty in new situations. And the danger in the unknown is straight up troubling. It's, it's unknown. I was talking to Mike Sebastian the other day, and we were talking about going back to church. And I said, yeah, it feels a lot better just knowing a date. The unknown was scary because the unknown is unknown. It could just keep going. You don't know what to expect. And that's what happens when we, t we test our boundaries. We don't know what's on the other side, except my dogs did because they're always breaking that, that battery collar. But we don't want to do that. We want to stay because of the unknown. And that can be troubling to us. How will we handle change? How do you handle change? Sometimes it's for the better. How do you handle it? Perhaps even when it's for the better. Do you run back into the circle that you're used to staying in? 
And the problem with staying in that safe zone is you never get to fully see there is something God has intended you to see outside of the boundaries you're used to being in. Maybe what is safe to you is problematic to God. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe what is safe to you is a problem for God to show you something. Maybe he wants us to see it different so we can execute his plan differently to reach someone that would otherwise not been reached. Gentiles, Peter, the Gentiles, not so God. The Gentiles, three times. God presents an opportunity and we still shoot it down. We still shoot it down. So my question to you today in this first week is are you holding on to the boundaries of your past thinking, understanding, reasoning, which may be halting growth in something God has new just for you? It's just for you. And the boundaries of your mind and the boundaries of your habits and the boundaries of your ways are keeping you trapped from seeing something God is trying to show you. The title today is Boundary Breaker. Boundary Breaker. I said it once, and I'm going to say it again. God is a boundary breaker. And I don't know about you, but I hear boundary, I think rule, and they are similar, and they are related, but they are different. And Jesus was a rule breaker also. He broke the law, but for good reason, because the law was contaminated. It may have been the law, but it wasn't good. And sometimes going beyond the boundaries. When I was in wrestling, I remember I wrestled this kid, uh, Owen Bratton. Owen, if you're out there, you kicked my behind. I was a change man. Thank you. I was 16. And, and we were in Kansas City. And, and in Kansas City, in this, in this wrestling tournament, they didn't have bathroom stalls. Sorry, sorry, Cameron. I know that's your, that's, your, that's your territory. They didn't have bathroom stalls. They had like cinder blocks. And I thought it was really weird. And so I'm wrestling this kid, Owen Bratton. And all I could do, because he was so good, and I knew he was going to take, take my, little, my little self down and my white, my, my red, my red nose, my black singlets, it's not tights, they're called singlets, people, get it right. All I could do was crawl out of bounds. It's all I could do because he was going to take me down. And so every time he was coming, I couldn't stop him from taking me down. So I would just inch my way to the line. I knew the ref would blow the whistle until finally I just lost my points. It turns out he was the second in the state that year and I was like, not on the list. That's why it was so difficult. But unlike that situation, we don't want to go near the boundary. See, if you go near the boundary in wrestling, in life, too many times, you can have consequences. You can, sh- you can shake up the rule followers, and we want to follow the rules. We want to honor the law. We don't want to break laws, people. But God is different, and God will break boundaries that are stifling you in your life because you're living in the perimeter that you've always known. And it's hard to understand that God wants to push you beyond your boundary if you can't hear him. Remember, Peter went to the rooftop to pray. Why did he pray? Because he needed to to hear God. You want to hear God? Pray a little more. What did he do? He was hungry. He wanted some chicken and some, he wanted some, some cheeseburgers. And he wanted, he wanted some, some barbecue smoked ribs on the Kamado Joe. He wanted some food. Why? He was, he was fasting. See, when you take away the comforts of food, people, distraction, 
you hear God. That's why we fast. That's why we have 21 days of fasting, and that's why we do that stuff as a church, because it does make you hear God clear. It draws focus. So Peter went on the roof because he didn't want to be distracted if you want to hear God's voice. And it's just ironic. It's not ironic, but it feels ironic to the non-believer because the vision happened on the roof when he was fasting and praying. That's when God spoke the clearest, the loudest, shook him up. And we live in a distracted world, a very distracted world. We We saw how Peter heard God, but culturally we are so troubled from hearing God because of the distractions. I mean, the smartphone, we've talked about it. I remember sermon one here in the basement, in the lower level, was uh, the smartphone being in the distraction and God meeting you in the distraction. And I don't know about you, but I stay busy with tasks. And if I run out of tasks, I get, I get, in, the, I get in the corruption of my own mind and start thinking silly things. And God says, actually, that's what I wanted. Did you know during the corona season, Cameron, did you know that conceptions and divorces are record high? There's going to be more babies. This is what I heard. I wouldn't know firsthand. I don't even know how that happens. But, you know, you know, you know they're going to say more babies are going to be born and more divorces are happening in this time. You know why? Because people are having to face each other, good and bad. Some good, some bad. They're having to face each other because they've removed so many distractions because they've been forced to be quarantined together. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny that you can, you can actually flourish a relationship by not being distracted? That you can actually find out you don't love a person like you thought because you actually started to think about it because of distraction not being there? So distraction from God's voice is the first issue, that if we are always distracted, we cannot hear God's voice. I don't hear God. I prayed. I don't hear. I prayed. He didn't answer. That means go ahead, go do this. Or maybe you didn't hear him because you're distracted with your own thoughts. You're distracted with chaos. You're not in his word. You're not in in an environment to hear him clearly. So Peter went to the roof. Some of y'all need to get on the roof. Touch your your neighbor. Tell him, get on the roof don't fall. You need to hear God through prayer, fasting. My brother told me that about the conceptions. I thought that was just the most silly thing. I'm like, how sad is it that people's relationships are affected because they have to spend time together? What does that say about our culture? It says we are disconnected people. And so it's, it's really a, a poison in our culture is distraction. Um, there was another sermon, I think I did, The Power of Distraction, the first year. And I think it tied into the, the cell phone also, about being in a white room with the cell phone. As long as I had the cell phone, smartphone, there's no cell phones. I could be happy in a white room as long as I had my internet, because I'm distracted. Now, that was a cyber train. Anyway, Peter had to seek God diligently. He had to move. He had to make an effort, you step by step, to learn something monumental. So he had to move a little to learn something monumental. If you're not willing to move a little, don't, don't be asking yourself, God, why haven't you shown me something monumental? Because you got to move. So he went to the roof. And in the Christian concern, I call it, is there's so many, we are comfortable with what we know, but not hungering after what we don't. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you should write it down. Yeah. We are comfortable with what we know, and we're not hungering for what we don't. There's a lot of God out there. There's a lot to learn. 
about God's purpose over your life. There's a lot of revelation on the roof he wants to give you over your life. But until you turn, focus, fast, pray, lose the distraction, it's going to be hard to hear it. It can just become a tradition. We don't want church to be a tradition. There's traditions in church, and that's not a bad thing, but we don't want church to just be a tradition. A tradition, a tradition doesn't move. It stays the same. Attrition is repeating the same thing. It's a tradition. We just do it this way. This is what we always known. This is what we always be. This is what it will always be. The, the gospel is just for the Jews. Nobody can be saved but Jews. It doesn't matter if you're a good person. I'm studying um, in a class right now. I'm studying uh, some of the history of, 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 of people. And um, it was funny that even hundreds of years ago, people would say the gospel's for you, but you're still not equal with me as a human being. It blew my mind because it's contradictory to the gospel. The gospel is for you too, but you are not equal with me as a human being. It's crazy. And it was funny is as I read that, I thought that's what Peter was doing right there. They're not clean. They're unclean. They're heathens. They're, they're dogs. They're Samaritans. They're whatever. They're not the Jews, God's people. And so they didn't think it was discriminatory. They just thought it was the way it was. And so God had to shake them up and say, your boundaries are too confined, and it's not the truth. I have a boundary that's limitless, and you need to cross it. Because I am a boundary breaker, says the Lord. And tradition will keep you the same, but we are to break past the mold of ourselves. He didn't call us tradition. He called us to be an extension. The church was meant to move. We are an extension as the arms and feet of Jesus Christ. It's simple. We are the body of Christ. We replaced his fleshly body in the spirit with our fleshly bodies to go and move, plant seed, so God can then give the increase. So don't let tradition keep you the same. Touch your neighbor, tell him, you need to cross the boundary. You need to cross God's boundary. So we get rid of distraction, and now we've had this revelation on the roof, and it's time to apply it. Hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, really, I'm God, I'm telling you, to apply it. And I'm, I'm Jeffy, and I'm saying, well, no, God, I don't think so. What? Don't call common what I have cleansed. See, Peter was presented now a choice to choose, and he still said, but I disagree. I disagree. How many of you have ever had an encounter with God or people and you just disagree? So it wasn't that God didn't speak, it's that you disagreed or that you didn't agree enough to actually move. It was easier to stay the same. It was easier to just stay in the tradition my mom and dad taught me. It was easier just to stay in that tradition because their mom and dad taught that. It was easier just to stay in the tradition because... That might shake some people up if they find out that I'm actively moving for God. That might shake some people up if they, if they hear that I'm actually on this earth to extend the gospel further as the body of Christ. That might shake some people up. And yeah, that's what it's meant to do is shake some people up. Maybe you need to shake them up and God is using you to do so because God is a boundary breaker. And you are meant to move as his church so we oppose God when he presents new truths to us because 
It's breaking what we know. It's breaking our tradition. It's going outside of the boundaries of our understanding that we've always thought to be everything. This world is my backyard, says my huskies. Until that battery broke, they learned there's a whole world out there. And even Peter, if Peter can fall to this, so can we. Even when God spoke revelation to him, he argued and debated him and said no. He said no three times to God. Sometimes the greatest revelation God wants to give you is the opposite of what you thought it would be. Like Paul, Saul, Tarsus, persecuting Christians, thought he was doing the will of the Lord. He thought he was fulfilling the Jewish law, actually. He was persecuting the opposition. And God says, actually, it's 180 degrees, the opposite of what you thought. It wasn't like you were a little bit off, Paul. It's like you were completely off, completely backwards. So now here's Peter. And it's going, I'm doing the will of the Lord. I can, I can recite all the, all, the, all the scripture in the Bible, all the scripture in the Septuagint, all the scripture in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Torah, in the Old Testament. And, and he sings an opera, you know, because he, he's so full of himself. And God says, no, you got it totally backwards, Peter. He's like, what? Really? And finally, Peter goes, that's not good. I had it backwards. You know, anybody ever had that time where like, you're not just wrong, but you're like totally wrong. Like there's no, there's no smoothing it out. Like you are so wrong that you like, you have to just go, man, I was wrong. Like totally wrong. Like with your spouse, like, uh, this is kind of funny, but it's kind of true. And, and Chloe is now the second, like the second one doing this to me. But my wife has this amazing ability for detail. Maybe it's a woman thing. All you women, you go girls, okay? So you got this amazing, amazing thing for details. And I don't know if it's a man thing, if it's old age, but I see, I see it, I see it trending down this path that I am actually forgetting details. And my wife will remember details, and sometimes I don't like it because she's so good. And after, after a few years of this, instead of fighting her, I started realizing she was just right. She was just right, like all the time. And now my daughter Chloe is like so good with details. And she'll, she'll say, no, Dad, remember this, 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 and this, and this. And she'll like remember like 10 steps of something from like five years ago. And she remembers these details that I don't even remember happened. That's what happened to Peter. See, when you realize you don't have all the answers, you don't want to have all the answers because when you feel like you do, there's something wrong, that you, you, you want to know that there actually is more and you want to know what it is and you found someone to show you, like my, my wife and my, my daughter, I trust in what they say because they, they have proven with consistency, consistently, their consistency has proven with their actions that I had it backwards many times. Like, backwards, 180. I was Saul of Tarsus. But God wanted me to be Paul. I was Peter before the roof. But God wanted me to be Peter after the roof. He wanted me to be Peter at Cornelius, the Italian. He wanted me to be there different and I couldn't see it for so many times I was presented with God's will 
God will 180 your thinking. He will just do a loop-de-loop. 180, shake you up. You feel so lost in your thoughts. You don't even know what to think anymore. And God says, that's what I want because I need a clean slate. I need a clean slate to teach you because you're so stuck in tradition and boundaries of what you thought was the way. God says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. There is no name given among men that you can be saved except through me, Jesus Christ, Jehovah saves. So even when I hear it, I must, everybody tell your neighbor, I must be willing to apply it because application is everything. That's what faith is. Faith is application applicating he is applying your belief into action and until you apply what you've learned you will not see change that's what faith is it's application of what you believe it's testing boundaries of what you believe and saying should i cross this you know an idea is no good unless it's implemented an idea could be the greatest idea. You could have the greatest business idea. And if you never share it, no one knows, nothing happens. It's dead in the waters. But when that idea takes a life of its own, it's put into action, it's implemented, it's applied. When God's will becomes applicable to your life and you start applying his gospel, applying his word, applying his truth to your life, then you will actually start seeing manifested change in your world you will see the perimeter of what you've always thought to totally change shape maybe it's not a circle like you thought maybe god's perimeter is a zigzag weird poly polygon whatever shape around your mind because he's going to take you so many different directions that you never thought would be possible because he's saying i cross the boundaries you don't cross until i show you what to cross and it doesn't look like what you think according to your tradition. God has called you to break past toxic inhibitions. Quit restraining yourself to the comfort of your family room and go out and get the gospel and give it away and watch God shake up your soil and root some new vegetation that keeps you fed. I'm big on the garden thing. I talk about it a lot. I failed miserably at planting my own garden. When we talk about the spiritual garden, I got to figure it out got it figured out and you're going to get it figured out and God's showing you now he's bringing revelation to how you're going to become a master gardener of your heart with God's word and how to put it in the soil and watch it grow and how to actually take what's cultivated and put it in their soil and watch God grow that he gives the increase one water one plants God gives the increase sometimes boundaries broken show you that the perimeter is bigger much bigger than what you thought. We're meant to move. And in order to move, you have to step. You have to move enough. You have to move enough, enough to expand. See, God cleansed you so he can cleanse them. If you don't move, because you are meant to move, you can't expand. The church can't expand a healthy church is a growing church. It's a fact. The Great Commission didn't say, let's stay 120 up in the, in the upper room. They said, let's go. Let's go reach the worlds. And thousands by the day were converting over to, to Christ. It didn't say, let's stay the same. 
We didn't have church to be, be, be confined. We have church to reach the world. That is the Great Commission. A growing church is a healthy church, and we want to grow. We want to see one seed become millions of seeds across the world. We believe it, or we wouldn't be here, because we know if God touches it, it's blessed. Don't judge what God can do. Well, they're only in there lower level having church it's just like three people and i didn't see anything about oak kids and, and i didn't see nothing about like coffee bars and all this stuff and it's don't judge what god can do maybe he just don't want you to get coronavirus maybe that's coming later you know maybe maybe the coffee bar will be back maybe don't judge too soon by the boundaries of what you've seen let god move go by go by the truth Go by the transparency. Go by the honesty of the word being delivered. That this is a bigger endeavor. God is doing something bigger than what you see right now. Literally. God is doing something so much bigger in this church, in this world. It's, it's awesome. But you got to have the vision on the roof to see what God is doing. Some of you have had the vision, some of you are in the vision, and some of you haven't had the vision yet, but God is starting to call you to the roof. And you say, I I'm going to get on that roof. I've been waiting too long. God's been calling me to the roof for two or three years now, and I've been, I kind of know about One Seed Church. I heard about them, but I'm actually going to go there when they open. I'm going to walk through the doors because I'm tired of just waiting on God to strike a lightning bolt when he's called me to the roof for a vision. Because when I see the vision, he's going to shake up my boundaries and expand the perimeter of my heart, of my mind, of my life. Because I have been called to a purpose and I can never find my purpose until I cross the boundaries of my tradition. If y'all could stand with me. This morning, we have to move enough to have our hearts and minds expanded by his word. We have to move for our hearts to be expanded by his word. And sometimes the perimeter is not what you think it is. You are enough. Touch your neighbor, tell him, you are enough to God, but God, more importantly, has to be enough to us. That means he's first. If he's not enough to us, belief can't manifest itself into miracles. Remember, Jesus of Nazareth, he could not do many miracles there because he was just the carpenter's son because of their lack of belief, the scripture says, that he did not do many miracles there. It's because they did not have faith which is a moving church. A faithful church is a moving church. And we were meant to move as his church. It's time to move past the boundaries of your restricted thinking. It's time for you to see you personally are a contributor to God's church and God has more for you. And when you let God infiltrate your heart and do more to you, the church will grow. The church will move. The church will move. Every head bowed right now and every hand lifted. We want to pray right now and give thanks because we see the vision. We see what's happening. We are on the roof, God. This corona season has kept us on the roof and we've been in a trance. We've been in a funky trance and we say, not so, God. You're going you're gonna to leave me like this, God? 
you're going to leave me on the roof like this? How am I going to even get down? There's no ladder. He says, don't worry about how you're going to get down. Just get on up there. Get on up there. What seems to be not moving to you right now. I'm doing a great work in you in the world right now. I'm shaking up people and I'm going to go there. I'm going to see something happen really different that's never happened before because of my faithfulness. God says, be faithful. Step out. Start moving. You are the body of Christ. You are the body. And we as one will move church forward. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory right now. And we can't wait to see what you're going to do when we get back to our physical gatherings. We can't even wait to see what that feels like. And we are ready, God. And if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, amen.